Ah, well, thank you. <laughs> and, and boy, thanks so much for coming to church today. You, you, know, you know, because you came to church and honored God, why, well, he's going to honor you this week. I mean, you can count on that. That's tangible. And, and you know, for you folks that's watching online, too, well, thanks so much for being a part of our service. You know, if you're, if you're joining us online or watching on TV, well, you're part of our church family, and, and we appreciate you being, um, being in our services in that way. And, and our, you make our services better. And so, um, so man, beautiful spring day, great-looking bunch of people. Uh, it's my privilege to receive God's tithes and our offerings this morning. And um, we've got some ushers around, and, uh, you know, so, if, like, if you're giving cash and you want a tax receipt, why, if you raise your hand, why, they'll give you an envelope so that can be taken care of. And... Um, um, you know, if you're writing checks and if you're watching online, I think it's up there on the screen about, uh, about how, to, how to give here. And uh, if you're writing checks, it, why, it, it's, it's Destiny Church. You, you know, I always like to talk about um, uh, a little bit about what God says about his tithes and our offering. And, you know, if you, if you go to the first chapter of, of the book of Genesis, why, you know, it starts out, God speaks and the the universes are framed into existence. And, you know, all of this, the stars, the solar system, is all supporting the earth that God creates. And he puts Adam here on earth. Um, he, he gives the earth to Adam. You know, basically, he gives him dominion. This is his earth. What's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil doing in, right in the center of the Garden of Eden? You know, that, that was there in the center, and then there was a tree of life. Well, the tree of life was Adam's tree. He get life off of that. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was God's tree. That's the first tithe. See, God's always been looking for partnership. And boy, as long as Adam stayed in partnership with God, why, things went really great. And you know, the same thing is true today. God, tithing is a tangible way that we enter into partnership with God. And God is a great partner to have. As, and so, uh, so as we give uh, God's tithes and our offering this morning, you know, tithe is 10% of our income. An offering is what, whatever you want to give above that. But man, God promises that if you tithe, he'll rebuke the devourer. He'll actually give everything of his to you. He, he, you know, today, why we don't just own the earth. God just didn't give us the earth. He gave us earth and heaven both. And uh, so good to be in partnership with God. If you're giving offerings above that tithe, God promises a hundred times as much back. I mean, and this is God talking. God that don't ever lie. So let's take our tithes and offerings in hand. We'll agree over them right now. Boy, in Jesus' name, we thank you, God, for the opportunity here to be in partnership with you. Man, we, we, we treasure that. We depend on you rebuking the devourer on our behalf and opening the windows of heaven, the resources of heaven up onto us. We depend on that hundredfold return. That's our economy, thanks to you. So we give you this uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, ushers, you can serve the people here. Got a, got a couple announcements this week here. It's, uh, we're having a Good Friday service on uh, April 2nd. That's Friday night at 6.30. And we're having a time of worship and communion. And then, of course, you know, next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Um, it's the same time as, as always, you know, 10 o'clock. Uh, and then, um, you know, um, boy, we'd really like to have your contact information, a way to get a hold of you. 
you know, um, praise God, we're past the storms, so we're not going to cancel church. But, you know, you know, somebody comes up with a prayer need, why, man, we get a text out. I mean, you get the whole church praying for you. And it's just good to be a part of a church family. And that's really the way we interact here is, is through, uh, you know, uh, emails and texts during the week. And then, and then also, if, if you've got any questions about the church or, or anything you want to know why, we, uh, why I'm, you know, I, I'm going to be at the table in the back in the foyer again this morning. So, so those two things. So, yeah, okay, we got that covered. Now we're going to have a message. Man, I've been looking forward to this um, myself a lot. Um, I'm going to talk about how do I get from here to there. And, um, you know, where we are right now is here. And where we want to go, God has made available a dream for every one of us. And that's there. And, uh, boy, Steph Cornemone uh, Steph makes such beautiful graphics she does that all the time, and, and, and man, it just makes our, uh, our thing look nice here. But, but so that's what we're talking about this morning. How do I get from here to there? Would you, um, would you agree with me in prayer? Because we need the Holy Spirit speaking to us here, and then, and then we'll, we'll have about a half an hour of fun in church today. It's going to be fun. So, if, uh, man, in Jesus' name, we, we just take a hold of, the, uh, of that verse in Mark 16 where you promise that wherever your word is preached, that you'll be there, Holy Spirit, working with the Word um, to make tangible signs that follow that. So I just declare, everybody that's participating in this service, that's uh, you know, taking it in, taking a hold of your Word this morning, is going to experience permanent positive change in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you. You know, um, so we call this the Word of God. Because it's God giving His Word. You know, the, in the Bible here, um, there's almost 9,000 promises that are all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. They've already been fulfilled on God's part. And so this is, this is two covenants. Uh, you know, you got the first covenant is about this much. And then the new covenant is about this much here. And that's God's Word, His guarantee there to us. And now, of course, you know that, well, you know, it's already been meant. Today is Palm Sunday. And then, of course, you know, Good Friday is coming up this week. And, and, and then Resurrection uh, Sunday is coming next Sunday. But what we're actually doing, we're celebrating um, Jesus establishing this new covenant for us. Um, and um, so, so that's why we celebrate. And, you know, the new covenant is, is such a great thing because the covenant is between God and Jesus. And so it can't be broken. And it's guaranteed by the blood of Jesus. You know, Jesus shed all of his blood to guarantee that covenant. So he's in heaven in a body right now that doesn't have any blood in it. Because he used all of his blood to guarantee this covenant. And so um, the way that we get in on this is, uh, you know, Paul says it this way, the Apostle Paul. He says, when we're born again, we are in Christ. You know, and so we're, um, we're um, 
getting rid of our identity and we're actually taking on the identity of Jesus Christ. So then that's how we get in on this covenant that can't never be broken. And, um, and you know, this is available to everybody. And, you know, if you're, if you're here this morning or if you're, if you're watching us online and you've not, um, you've not made that, um, that declaration or that decision to be in Christ, it's just as easy as calling on his name. That's what Romans 10, 13 says. Anyone that calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. So you can do that right now. All you got to do is ask him. Or you can do it sometime during this service. Or this afternoon. But my point is it's that easy. And man, I mean, why wait? Because these guarantees are wonderful. I just, I just think about, um, you know, Paul says this about the new covenant. He says, now that we are in Christ, there's no longer Jew nor Greek. So th there's no race anymore in Christ. And you know, so when I hear somebody talk about difference in races and, and racism and like that, I think, man, I wish somebody could explain this covenant better. Because that would take care of that issue right there. You know, something else when Paul said that, now there's no longer Jew nor Greek. Why, any religious differences uh, that people that are in Christ seem to have, uh, they're non-existent. They just exist in people's mind. Because now there is no longer Jew or Greek. And then Paul makes this statement. He says, now there's no longer male or female. So any gender differences, controversies, um, man, I just think, oh man, I wish somebody could explain this covenant better that everybody get a hold of it, you know. But, but, but it's a challenge to take God's covenant and explain it to people that have lived their entire life in a Western culture that works on contracts and not covenants. See, every agreement that we make together with each other in our culture is set up to give us a, a way out if we decide to not fulfill that agreement. But covenant is just the opposite. Every covenant is made in blood. And, and it's that way because there is no out on the covenant. It's a guaranteed agreement. And that's why this new covenant is so wonderful. And that's why, I mean, man, Good Friday, Resurrection Day, celebrating Palm Sunday today to start this whole thing out. That's why it's such a big deal. Because see, in, in the first covenant, why people were always, you know, not fulfilling it, their part. And so constant trouble. But now that the covenant is between God and Jesus, why, it, it's always kept. I mean, we can, we, we can break fellowship, but you never get out of the, you're still in the covenant. And, you know, I, I, I've said this in different places, and, and, and people have been upset about that sometimes because they think, well, you, you're just making it too easy. I mean, but, hey, it's God that said this. I mean, if you, if you want to make it hard, well, you go ahead. I can't tell you what to do. But God made it very simple. Anyone that calls upon his name is welcomed in this covenant. And, um, and so, but this, but this whole challenge of explaining this to people, especially with the Western mindset, I, I just, I've been asking God, you know, what's the best way to do that? How would you get people to understand that? And, and, I, and I believe one of the very first Bible stories I learned was about David and Goliath. And I think 
That is such a common story that, boy, I, I think I could go anywhere, at least in America, and talk to somebody that never looked at a Bible and say, man, we got a David and Goliath situation here. And they know exactly what I meant. And so this, this story, which is, um, you know, it's in, man, all the kids' Bible story books and the cartoons and all that. Um, I thought, man, if we looked at that story, because er, er, that explains covenant in such a tangible way, and it's so well known to everybody that, that, um, that hey, you'll be able to see it. And so, um, but, but I'm going to tell you up front, I mean, this isn't the cartoon version. Uh, this is the King James Version. I just got this right out of the Bible, and I had to forget a lot of things that I had, I had been told or had learned about this story. But, you know, you know, once again, talking about how do I get from here to there? Well, the answer to that is God's covenant. It's God's covenant that will empower me to get what I want in life, to see the dream that God's put in my heart fulfilled. Um, and, uh, but, you know, if there's ever somebody that went from here to there, why, why it's David. That's one of the reasons I like him so much. You know, what, um, what the Bible says about him is that he came from the poorest part of Israel, and his family was the poorest family in the poorest part of Israel. So it's like, if he, if he was talking today, why you say, man, he, he comes straight out of Compton, um, if, if, you, if you listen to rap music at all. Because uh, um, he was the most unlikely. And yet, you know, if he, by the time you get to the end of his life, see, this, this, what I'm going to talk about today, this story in 1 Samuel 17, this is like our first public appearance of David in his life. But if you follow him to the end of his life, why, God thinks he's the greatest person that ever lived. Because God said this about him. He said, look at David. He's a person after my own heart. So he's just like me. I don't know what better thing you could say about somebody than that. I mean, just think if, uh, you know, if, if God said that about one of you, like, uh, like God said, Matt, he's, he's a person after my own heart. Why, that, that'd make Matt, he, he got there, you know. Um, uh, you know, something else God said, said about David. So God came up with his plan to send his son, the Messiah, 3,000 years prior to when David lived. But so David shows up, and he's going through his life, and about two-thirds of the way through, why God says, you know what? I'm, my Messiah I'm going to send. This is the biggest event on earth. I'm not going to call him my son. I'm going to have him be called the son of David from then to forever. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. And then, and then over in the book of Acts, why, why God writes the epitaph on David's tombstone, basically, and, and this is what he says, and this is the greatest thing that can be said about someone's life. He, he said, David served his generation, and then he went to heaven. Well, how would you like for God to make that one sentence about you? I, I think that's the best you can do in life. You know, we're, we're, we're here for the time we're here, and boy, we served our generation, and then we went to heaven. So well, all I'm saying is David got there, but, but how did he do it? It's all there in that little story about David and Goliath. And there's three principles in the story I'm going to give you this morning. And these are the principles that David used throughout his entire life to get from being one of the most insignificant people in, amongst God's people to being the greatest person that ever lived. And 
he followed those same three principles. But, but, uh, uh, but more than that, I can take any, any story in the Bible, story about somebody winning, and they did these same three things. So, you know, it makes me think that this, this whole covenant thing is pretty important. And so, so, so let me start in, uh, and, and, and I'm just going to tell you this in story form. Because I think it's easier to get a hold of, easier to understand. So at the start of 1 Samuel 17, why, why David is, a, he, he's a young teenage boy. What, what uh, it describes him like this, he says he, he's small for his age, and he's got rosy cheeks, and I think that means he has peach fuzz. He hasn't started shaving yet. And, and you know, people um, actually were smaller in general at that time, so, so I'm, I'm thinking he, he, he's probably not five foot tall even. And if he weighs 100 pounds, he's probably doing pretty good. So we know that about him. But we also know from the chapter before that, that he, he, would, uh, he, he would write uh, songs, uh, songs of worship. So, so he was someone that worshiped God. And, and, and in fact, you know, David even wrote this in Psalms 35, 7. He said, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. You know, you know that's what praise and worship is. We're just delighting ourselves in the Lord. I, I mean, that's why, um, you know, we put such a priority on our praise and worship time here, because uh, as we're delighting ourselves in the Lord through praise and worship, why, he'll, he'll give us our heart's desire. He'll put a desire in our heart. See, God made every one of us with unique abilities to fulfill a unique destiny. But as we praise and worship, why we start to experience what that destiny is through our desire, our heart's desire. So, like, you know, if you, you know, if you got questions about what you should be doing, what's the next step in life, why, the answer is right there in praise and worship, you know. Because God will reveal that to you as you praise and worship. Because, just like David said, he's delighting delighting yourself in the Lord. But then, too, why the empowerment comes, because God inhabits the praises of his people, the empowerment comes to see that heart's desire fulfilled. You know, actual empowerment, ideas of how to do that. Uh, uh, God just sets things up. But, but that, it comes in praise and worship, and, and David was a worshiper. In, in fact, he, he wrote almost all the psalms. And a lot of these psalms he wrote before he ever ran into Goliath. So he was like, he was 13 years old when he was writing some of this stuff, and younger. So he was delighting himself in the Lord, and God was giving him, he's putting desires in his heart as he's doing that. And so, um, you know, and, 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 and I think this is an important point here, and I'm, I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But, but just think today, like, you know, when you come in to praise and worship, it's like sometimes, you know, on a Sunday, why I can come in um, um, and, uh, man, I, I, um, I feel old and tired today. But about that second psalm, song, that a psalm is a song, about that second song, why, man, I'm 10 foot tall and I couldn't be more excited about the future here. You know, that, that's what praise and worship does. And that's why, uh, I mean, that's why we praise and worship here, but that's why it's, it's so great to do that at home, too. And, and so this, this whole book of Psalms is like, um, it's, it, it's like the song, uh, David's catalog of praise songs. 
You know, like, like my wife and I, I, I got Sirius XM radio. So when we go somewhere, why we like to listen to Tom Petty radio. Well, the, if, if David was around, why we could have the David station on Sirius radio. That's what the book of Psalms is. So, so, but, he, but he was a worshiper, and so, so we know that about him. Uh, he's take, he would take care of the, the sheep for his father. That was normally a job that a servant would have. Um, and and so, so David was, he had a, uh, it wasn't a real glamorous job. And what we know from the chapter before is that David was the youngest of eight children, eight brothers he had that were older than him. And his family, including his parents, had absolutely no respect for him. So he, he was, again, very insignificant. So his father calls him in to... Uh, uh, and, and his three oldest brothers are in the army, and, um, and they're um, in, in, a, in a, like a, um, the Philistines, the neighboring country, have attacked Israel. And so they're there, um, the brothers, and it was the job of the families at that time to bring food to the troops. So David's father sent him there because, and I think the reason he picked him is because David had been going back and forth to the military because he would, he, was this, uh, he would play worship music around the king because um, the, the king, that helped the king out. And so he had been going back and forth. So this day, why David's father sent him with the food for the older brothers. And what the Bible says there in 1 Samuel 17 is that he got to, the, to where this battle was. And what that looked like is the Philistine army was on one set of, well, they weren't like tall mountains, but they weren't hills either. They, they, were, they were in mountains because there was caves there. And, there. and then there was a valley, and then there was another set of small mountains over here where the Israelite army was. And for 40 days, the Philistines had been there, and, and every day, why, this, uh, this giant, Goliath, would come out, and he would challenge somebody from the Israeli army to come and fight him. He'd say something like, well, you know, we don't need to involve the whole army. You send your fighter out, and if he beats me, why, you take everything we got. And if I beat him, why, uh, we'll take everything you got. The problem with that was, Goliath was nine foot, nine and a half inches tall, and he, he was so big that the armor he wore weighed 200 pounds. So he's out there at about 700 pounds, and there was nobody that could defeat him amongst the Israeli army. In, in fact, he, he'd do that every day uh, just to uh, create fear in the Israeli army because if you get, if you get somebody afraid, why, you, you, I mean, you're going to defeat them sooner or later. So, so that's what's going on when David shows up. And now, now remember, he's about 14 years old or so. He's got these desires in his heart that he's gotten from God. And he knows how to get them fulfilled because God's been telling him he's a worshiper. So he comes in and, and, and he watches all that. He doesn't say anything, drops the food off. He, he, watch, he watches Goliath and that whole thing. And as soon as Goliath talks, man, the Israeli armies, they disappear into the cave. And, and he, he overhears some soldiers talking. And they say, man, have you heard what the king's going to give the guy that kills Goliath? And... and and the other one said, yeah, man, he's gonna, there's a great financial reward. He's going to make him rich. And he's going to give him his daughter in marriage, the king's daughter. Now, now, of course, David had saw what the king's daughter looked like as he'd been there playing music. And then, and then the next thing, why, um, 
that person's family would never have to pay taxes. And boy, they taxed these people like crazy at that time because uh, they always had some kind of war going on. And so, man, if you could just avoid paying taxes, you'd go from being the poorest family to the richest family in your region. So, so in David's mind, finally, I get some respect for my family. I mean, come on, he's a teenage boy. Does anybody remember what it's like to be a teenage boy? You think, man, if I got a hold of some money, <laughs> I could, man, there's a Corvette out there waiting for me and, uh, and, a, and a Harley Davidson. And man, some jet skis would be pretty nice too. And I could probably even get a monster truck to pull up my jet skis to the lake. You know, that, that's the way a teenage boy thinks. And then, then the king's daughter, he said, man, I get the girl. I mean, you know, every one of us were teenagers at one point, you know. So that's what David hears. And so he still doesn't say anything. He checks it out with another group of soldiers. He, he says, is it true? All this that the king's going to give the person that defeats Goliath. David never once in this story calls Goliath a giant. Never once. He goes to a third group of soldiers just to check it out, and they say the same thing. You know, yeah, the king's going to make him rich. He's going to give him his daughter. Family won't pay taxes. Now David talks. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? See, heart's desire the reward. But, but, but he's uncircumcised Philistine. See, what that meant to David was that, now David was in covenant with God. You know, in, in this first, there's always a shedding of blood with covenants. And in this first covenant, why the sign that somebody was in covenant with God, and the only people that were, 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 were Israelites at that time, was uh, uh, was this circumcision thing, and, and, and everybody that was circumcised had a scar. And I ain't saying no more that you figure all that stuff on your own. But, but, that, but he was not, Goliath was not in covenant with God, and David was. Now, now that's all he needed to know. He didn't, it didn't matter how big Goliath was. It, it, and, it, and boy, you know, we got it better. We have a much better covenant than David had. It doesn't matter how big the problem you're facing is. If you can get a hold of this reality of being in covenant with a God that don't never lie, that he guaranteed everything he says with the blood of his most precious son, Jesus, uh, it doesn't matter the size of the obstacles. It does, uh, so, and, 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 and that's what David saw. So by this time, these soldiers realized what he was saying, that he thought he was going to fight. So they brought him to the king, the king Saul. And so he gets to King Saul, and, um, and, and see, now I'm moving over into covenant here. So, so he gets to King Saul, and, um, and Saul looks at him, and he says, Oh, this is ridiculous. You can't fight the giant. And David said the same thing. That giant is not in covenant. with. He didn't call him a giant. He said, The Philistine, I'm sorry, the Philistine. That, that was an insult if you were an Israelite. The Philistine is not in covenant with God, and I am. And then David went on to say, you know, when I was taking care of my father's sheep, why, a lion would show up, and I'd kill that lion with my bare hands. A bear would show up, and I'd kill that bear with my bare hands. Because they were not in covenant with God, and I was, and this Philistine is no better than that lion and bear. He's not in covenant with God. And see, that was, that was the only thing 
the only thing that mattered to David. And, you know, um, like Paul said, that we have a far superior covenant with the new covenant than we did the old. We don't have a physical circumcision. We have a spiritual circumcision, uh, uh, which is a scar across our heart. And, you know, I, um, I was thinking about that. Um, I've actually been thinking about this covenant thing a long time. And, and so over this last winter, you, you know, I, I, I don't know if you noticed, and, and I'm just sharing this with you to give you a picture because um, this helped me. But um, um, I, I don't know if it's because the fire's out west last fall or what, but, man, we had some beautiful sunrises and some beautiful sunsets. And, and, and one, one morning, uh, I was taking my wife up to Fergus to get her vehicle, and it was, it was still dark in the morning, and there was fresh snow, so everything was white, and, and the moon was just so big and orange. And, you know, when I go to Fergus, why I spend about 20 miles with the moon right at my left hand at that time. And for some reason, however the air was, why there was a jet stream. A, a jet had flown and left this jet stream right straight a cut across that big, beautiful moon. And I was looking that up and when we was going up there, and I said to my wife, look at that, that's what Paul's talking about. We got a scar of circumcision across our heart. And when the devil looks at you and me, that's what he sees. When demons look at us, that's what they see, and they tremble. But God, that's what God sees too. And that's what angels see. You know, there's about a trillion angels around at least. And that's what they see. And what they say is, man, that's one of us right there. We, we need to get to work and see what they want here and get it done. But, but, that, but that picture, it's more real than a physical scar. And every one of us that are in Christ have got that. And, and, that, and that's forever. We might as well be experiencing the benefits of being in covenant with God. And, and, but, but, you know, but, but here, but back to David here. There's an interesting thing right there in that story. You know, there's tens of thousands of Israeli soldiers out there. They're in the same covenant with God as David is. They heard the same things. They heard Goliath. They heard the whole deal. It never once occurred to them that, that they could be the one to take out Goliath. What made it to David? Well, he must have been paying attention in the synagogue or Sunday school or whatever they did because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And, and you know, David didn't live that long after Samson. And I believe that's what he meant when, why he went out and killed that lion. He said, man, Samson was in covenant with God. I'm in covenant with God. Why ain't I killing lions? And so he just did. And, and, and so he got it. And he got the benefits of it. But everybody else there was in the same covenant, but they didn't get that benefit. You know the same thing goes on today. But it's all available. It's all available. And faith comes for us the same way as it did for David. It comes from hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God so much so that it starts to be real. And then, because we have giants that show up once in a while in our life, and I, but, you know, I'm not going to give them the respect of calling them giants. I want to do just like what David did. This, this isn't a giant 
it's something that's not in covenant with God. And I am in covenant with God. So I, I'm, you know, bring it on. I'm after the spoils. When the, when the thief comes, well, I get, uh, you know, I get, uh, I just get more spoils. And, but, but you know, it's, you, you know something I've seen, uh, as I've been in church all my life, and um, there is a thief, and, and he comes to steal the word from you. And when he does that, he, he's after that dream that God's put in your heart, too. And, and he'll tell you any, he's called the accuser of the brethren, and he'll tell you any sort of foolishness just to steal that dream from you. You know, like, like, like if this was David, if, if David was just a regular, because I've heard testimonies, and I've heard, you know, I'm sure the accuser come and told him, well, what does God care about, about you and your girl here? Or what does God care about you and your motorcycle? <laughs> and the... And the new Jordans you want to get, or uh, or or what does God care if your family respects you or not? That, that's not a worthy heart's desire. But see, he started there. You know, one win fuels a bigger win always, and that's that's what that was. So when the accuser shows up and to steal your dream, and, and he always does, why it's time to re- think about this covenant. And it's time to worship God and get a fresh glimpse of that dream that God's put in your heart. And the, and, 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 and the fresh instruction on how to see it come. Because see, there's no limits with God. It's like, would you ever thought that, that David, less than 100 pounds, 13, 14 years old, one of the poorest people in Israel, would be the greatest person that ever lived? But he was because he got a hold of that covenant. Because he delighted himself in the Lord and, and he had a heart's desire and God told him how to fulfill it. So, so that was the first two principles. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you your heart's desire. He'll, he'll show you what it is and, and then he'll show you how to, how to see it, how to take hold of it, see it come, come about. And then the second one is you're in covenant with God. That's the only thing that matters in the equation, ever. The only thing that matters. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. you got physical problems. God says you've already been healed. You've you got sh- lack problems. God says you've already I've made you rich. I've given you more than enough. It's all poured out. We need to take a hold of it. You know, you need peace today. <laughs> Man, Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. The Spirit's living right inside you. you. You need joy. You're dealing with depression. Jesus Christ is the source of joy, and His Spirit is living right inside you. You know, your, your, um, what are you? From your mouth to your heart here, and that's maybe about 12 inches. You're that far away from being hilariously happy right today. Jesus Christ is the source of joy. And you're in, he's given you his guarantee. Yeah. He, he's given, but, but okay, so that's the first two principles, but th- there's a third principle here. And what I call it is the slingshot principle. Now David, he, see he was a shepherd, and, um, and so he's taking care of these sheep. And what he, um, you know, when he goes out to fight Goliath, why, why, 
well, this is what it said, and, but I should probably talk, uh, explain what that slingshot was. Uh, a slingshot for those folks, it was not a weapon. There's no place ever in Scripture that a slingshot is called a weapon. This was just something that David had because he could have it. It was made out of a piece of hide. I mean, he, he probably stripped a piece of hide off that lion and made the, a slingshot was just a leather strap that had a pocket that would hold a rock in the middle and then it had two ends and you'd swing it, uh, put a rock in it, swing it so you'd get momentum and then you'd let go of the one end. But he kept doing that while he was out in the uh, taking care of sheep so much that he got to be an expert with it. I mean, and, and why? Well, because that's what he, he didn't have a sword. I mean, he had, he had to kill animals all the time to protect his sheep. He didn't, I know it sounds funny to be that in lack, but boy, a sword was a high-priced commodity. It'd be like, well, it'd be way more expensive than an AR-15 today. You know, it's, he didn't have that. What he had was this leather strap, this slingshot, but he used what he had, and he got excellent at it. You know, man, I'm convinced that, you know, because he had to practice for when, for when predatory animals showed up. So, man, I, I think out where his pastures were, there wasn't a bird left out there or a squirrel or anything else. I, I think he got to be a stone-cold killer with that slingshot. He was a da Vinci of death with that slingshot because that's what he had. And, boy, you know, there's something there. You know, you know like a lot of us say, you know, and I, you know, wherever you're at, I mean, you might be young, and, and that makes a difference. You might be old, but say, but I mean, say you, you want to own your own house, and um, but you're working at a minimum wage job. Well, be excellent at your minimum wage job today, and you know, and, may, and maybe you can't save 10% of your income for your house, but maybe you can do 1%. I mean, start somewhere. There's a natural. There's the, see, faith takes corresponding action. It, 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 you know, James he makes that point. He says. Faith without works is dead. Uh, uh, that's a little bit confusing to start talking about works, but when it re what it really means is if you've got faith, you're going to act like you believe what God says is true. And so, so that's all David was doing this slingshot. He's practicing all the time, waiting for his day of opportunity. The day of opportunity. Gol Goliath was the opportunity. I mean, that's why he never, he was so interested in what the reward was. And that's why, uh, I mean, right away he went out and, and, you know, if you've ever seen those movies or the cartoons or ever where David's running around and Goliath's swinging his sword, it wasn't like that. It said he walked out and he picked up five smooth stones on his way. Well, why did he do five? Well, Goliath had four brothers. And he knew if he killed Goliath, he'd have to deal with the brothers too. So it didn't, the size of the problem did not matter to him. The brothers were all giants too. But, but they were back in Gath. And so he picked up five stones and he ran towards Goliath. You know, before he started running, why he gave Goliath a moment to, you know, show how ignorant he was. And, <laughs> but he ran towards him and, and he, when he th uh, shot the rock, why he was so good that the only exposed place on Goliath was right here. You know, they had helmets, they had protection here. All the rest, he had 200 pounds of armor, but he had a, a spot right in his forehead that was open, and David was able to hit that spot. Well, why? Because he'd been working with that slingshot all that time. And I just feel like there's something there. 
and, 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 and like I said, you know, we got to translate that into the culture that we live and, and, and like that. But, but, but what do you have in your hand? I mean, you know, when you, when you got a dream in your heart, once again, there's Satan, the accuser. He always wants to steal the dream. And the first thing he'll say is, well, you don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes to do that. But, you know, you go through Scripture, God says just the opposite. You know, think of that. You know, think of Jesus. He's going to feed, the, well, there's 5,000 men, but there's probably about 25,000 people in all. And this little boy is there, and he says, well, I'll share my lunch with you was five loaves and two fish, and they fed everybody, and the boy had 12 basketfuls left over that he, he took home to his family because he used what he had. Or, or think of that widow that, um, I mean, Elisha, uh, she was married to one of his uh, prophet students, and he died and left them in debt, and when the creditors were going to come and take her sons to pay the debt, why, why she went to Elisha, uh, you know, talking about what she didn't have. And Elisha said, well, what do you have? And she had this little vial of oil, and he, and he said, well, okay, go out and borrow all these uh, containers that you can. And as long as uh, she poured oil out of that little vial and filled up all the containers, and not just paid her debt, but they, but they had enough money to live good the rest of their life, the rest of those sons' life, even. So, God, see, God's always interested in what you do have. And if you'll put that to use, why, then he'll step in and accelerate accelerate the whole thing, you, you, know, you know, just like he did for David. And so, and so David knocked Goliath down with that stone, and, and then he went and he jumped up on top and grabbed his sword and he cut his head off. He's a teenage boy. <laughs> teenage boys, they just love to kill things. And, and <laughs> so this was, so he grabbed, but he grabbed this big old head. I mean, you imagine, imagine what the, how much that weighed. But, you know, and, you know, the truth about this is made quite a, quite a good movie, you know, if you've got, um, you got a good producer, Steven Spielberg, somebody like that, because he held that head up in the air, and you can imagine what that looked like, because, but he, he led the, I'm spitting all over, I'm sorry, I get excited about this story. But anyway, he led the whole Israeli army to the city of Gath, killing the Philistines all along the way, but he went to Gath to challenge the brothers with that head. Well, they, they took off the other way. But, but he, he, and then he brought the head back, and he gave that to Saul. But, you know, here's, here, here, here's something about it. You know, he, it, it's never talked about him using a slingshot again, because he had a sword now. He had Goliath's sword, and actually later on, they, they gave him a custom-made one just for him. But, but, but he had a sword now. See, a whole different thing. And, and instead of out, it never mentions that he took care of sheep again. What it does say is that he, he, he took the Philistines' armor and brought it back to his tent. Isn't that just like a teenage boy? He's got his trophies in his room, you know. And, and, then, and then he went on. He was rich and he had the king's daughter. And his family didn't pay no taxes. So all at once, man, he moved up. Uh, that was a good start to his, to his rise. But the point, I'm giving you this point because what made the difference for him is everybody knew about the covenant. But some way or another, he made that real to him. And, and what God says about it is, once again, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. And, and I, I mean, it's not, that's not a, such a complicated thing. 
to just get some word in you every day, and it starts to grow uh, to the point, just like David, when, when giants show up, you don't see giants, you see an opportunity. And, and, you, and the dream in your heart propels you to take the next step of promotion all the time. I mean, that's, that's how you get to be the greatest person that ever lived in God's sight. I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of other details of David's life, these great things he did, but he used these same principles every time. So I'm, I'm going to call the worship team up now. But, uh, and they got a, they got a song. Um, but, but here's the thing today. How do I get from here to there? Every one of us is here. But every one of us should have a there. And, and that's the place to start. I mean, if you've got trouble with having a there right now, a desire of your heart, a dream, why, well, that's, that's really the time to get into worship. In, in whatever way, you can, you know, you start where you're at once again. I mean, what do you, I mean, what can you do right now to worship? Well, maybe you could stand up or, or maybe, uh, you know, maybe you, you don't want to sing. Well, maybe you could sing a little bit or, or, or just whatever. But start someplace because it's time to dream again. You know, you're never going to get there if, if, if there's not a there. You, you, you know, look at a map. You, you got a you you place you're starting from, but if you don't have a destination, you're just going in circles. And I tell you, God's got a wonderful there for everybody in this place. A wonderful there. Well, why don't we stand and we'll worship with the, with the team here.
I'm going to close our service with prayer here. We've got some prayer counselors. If you would like uh, individual prayer about anything, um, you know, this week here uh, coming up as you know we're coming up on Resurrection Sunday. I just believe the best way you could honor God, and I know everybody in here is that's what you want to do, especially right now at this season. Um, is to see yourself as God sees you with that scar across your spirit, across your heart. You're marked forever by God, and that changes everything. It means there aren't no limits on you. And, and so I'm going to, so if you want to agree with me as we close in prayer, we'll be dismissed. Just, um, boy, uh, let me just say this. Uh, boy, Tom Sr., I, I just, I was looking at you uh, the whole time I was preaching, and um, boy, the windows of heaven are open to you right now. I mean, if I was you, I'd take advantage of that. But okay, man, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Father God, for your word. Thank you that you call us your sons and daughters. And, and as, we, uh, as we remember your resurrection this week and, and uh, just establishing this new covenant for us, man, we thank you. And we're going to be, be all and do all that you've called us for. I thank you for that. I thank you for dreams in people's hearts just coming alive and being accelerated. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming to church today.